0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Invisible Not Broken, and it's special because I've been wanting to do an episode about these topics for a long time. we are going to be, well, we, I was chatting with an amazing rock star mom who is dealing with um, PTSD, migraines, bipolar diagnosis that's very recent, and she was dealing with postpartum depression. So if you can imagine dealing with any one of those issues and then add on a toddler and a baby, you can only imagine just how fantastically strong and Impressive She is. Um, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this talk. I hope you listen all the way through. Um, We went over different things that she's done to help her through her migraines, what a migraine is like, what it's like to go to high school when you are suffering from anxiety, PTSD, and bipolar, Um, the wonderful carousel of side effects from different medications, um, especially medications for things like anxiety, PTSD, and bipolar. Um, we talk about medication and pregnancy and what it's like to raise kids when you're dealing with a lot of these issues. Uh, we had a long talk about high school and and issues like this and especially migraines and a lot of this because I'm raising a high schooler right now and I'm so interested in what that experience is like. And I hope that if any of you are high school teachers out there or no high school teachers out there, or hey, if you're a high school student and you're hearing this going, oh my God, this is totally my life. Please message this over to whoever you want to understand these issues more. This is a huge part of why we're doing this is to help people understand different life and what someone else is going through. So part of how we can do that is if you are sharing these episodes, um, gosh, we even went into like the different ear piercings that could really help with migraines and, Wow. She had like one of the world's best ideas for how to deal with anxiety and um, stress and journaling and um, listen for that. That was fantastic. I hope you all have a great week and um, yeah, please feel free to share this one. This is a really good one. Any new moms that you think might be um, at risk for postpartum or who definitely have postpartum, please share. And if you are a mom, um, please feel free to share this with your mom's groups or any other groups like that. I will stop rambling. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy.
1: I'm Melissa Guido-Richards. I have postpartum depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD um, slash anxiety disorder, and uh, migraines.
0: That's a whole host of things, and just from the start of that with postpartum means you're dealing with this with littles.
1: Yes, I have a two-year-old and a nine-month-old, and both are boys. Oh my god. No,
0: I I didn't mean to be sexist there, but I I have one of each, and I can tell you right now that with my son, I couldn't get anything done ever, and my daughter I brought to work with me when she was like two weeks old all the way through. You are a
1: brave, brave woman. (laughs) They are a handful, but I love them to death, and uh, they're Sometimes they're really similar, and other times I'm just like, did you both come out of me? I don't know how. It's crazy. It really just destroys the nurture
0: nature argument completely. Mm -hmm. So did you have postpartum with both kids, or just with
1: one, or... Um, I'm pretty sure I had it with both, but I was only diagnosed with my second, my youngest son. Um, I... Struggled a lot in the beginning with my first. His name is Carlito. And I isolated myself from the beginning. Uh, we had to move to um, Pennsylvania. Oh my when god! When I was <laughs> five months pregnant, um, we packed up. And we we have two dogs, two cats. My husband had fish at that time. And we moved all the way over. And I, I, and I knew nobody here. <laughs> nobody at all. Um, I wasn't interested in getting to know anybody. And I was just miserable. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, like, no one can see me. But my, like, jaw is dropped open.
0: The idea of having your first baby with no support network set up, I, that must have, I, I can't even begin to, like, process what that would have been like.
1: Mm -hmm. It it was hard and um, like occasionally my parents would come over, which would be like once every couple of months Uh, and they only live an hour and a half away. Um, For the most part, I would visit them because my husband was commuting two hours one way to his job. (laughs) because for the most of the time he worked from home but then sometimes he'd have to go on like Sunday or whatever so I'd go up visit my parents because they lived near there and then that would be basically all the help that I would get is my mom would watch him for maybe an hour or two while I was there and maybe I'd take a nap if I was lucky (laughs) I'm just
0: so shocked like I'm so fortunate and lucky like I remember having my son and he had colic and Mm -hmm. I had uh I had uh postpartum but it was undiagnosed and because I did this very similar I didn't talk about it to my doctors I didn't Mm -hmm. talk about it to anyone but I remember my mom coming over and I was just crying and I just handed him to her like please I don't even know what to do with this I don't like I'm so scrambled and just like to take a shower for a minute was so helpful not with, mm-hmm. the, not with the postpartum. It's not helpful to take a shower for the postpartum. It's just, like, <laughs> so helpful to, like, okay,
1: so I'm clean now. Now I can deal with some more stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, just taking that second to to yourself, because as a mom, you, they're few and far between. <laughs> I, you know, I kept waiting for it to get less, and um, I have teenager now and preteen,
0: and I'm like, wow, I, I still oh. don't have time. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I'm not helping, am I?
1: <laughs> It's okay. I wasn't a teenager too far <laughs> too far. <laughs> I know. So what were some of your symptoms
0: for the postpartum? What was a way to cue you in?
1: Uh, I was extremely irritable. Like anything my husband would do would set me off and I end up like yelling at him. Uh, like he would be doing something good. Like he changed the diaper, but he wouldn't latch the onesie on like the way I would do it. And I'd blow up at him. Um, Uh, I was getting like next to no sleep because my son had a reflux and he had super bad gas from the medicine for the reflux. Oh my god. (laughs) And he he barely slept and he had a a tongue and lip tie. So, breastfeeding was a challenge in the beginning. And then we finally fixed that. And, like, by by the end of the day, each day, I was just losing my mind. I I was just trying, I was a zombie. I was going in and out of life just feed him, change him, try to sleep, shove some food in my mouth, which ended up being lots of chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's going to go in, it should at least taste good. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: Something (laughs) needs to be good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it was just, like, a really rough time. None of my family wanted to come up and visit. They'd always have excuses. They'd be like, oh, I want to see the baby, I want to see the baby, and then at the end of the day, nobody would show up. So I just had my husband, and um, thankfully, he's... He's great. He's one of my biggest supporters and support system. He's always there for me. Anything I need, he tries. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) he tries to help. It doesn't always work, but he tries. (laughs) Um, And he kind of. just we, we had a lot of talks about like why I was blowing up on him and he was like, "I feel like you're, you're doing this and um, is there anything I could do to help and uh, just eventually I, I, I got in a routine with working out um, because I wanted to lose the postpartum weight and then just doing that I kind of got into um, a healthier cycle which just naturally I think helped the, the postpartum especially because of the endorphins and whatnot and then I ended up pregnant again okay. so uh, like shit hit the fan with that seriously like my uh, like it was the most complicated pre- uh, pregnancy ever and I knew going into that pregnancy by the end of it I was going to have postpartum again I knew like without a doubt that it was going to happen so I kind of tried to prepare for it this time how are you able to prepare <sighs> for it well um I know like what coping mechanisms work for me and one of them is like having a routine. So I prepared meals before I had my baby. So I would like make breakfast. I know that I had eggs and then lunch and dinner would be already made. I tried to set like times for his naps or when when I relax or go for a walk around the neighborhood just like little things each day that I didn't have to think about and just taking taking the guesswork out of it when you're you're so vulnerable and confused and you're hating yourself you're just like wait I gotta do that it's on the calendar I have to go for a walk and it kind of gives me that time to like not think about why I hate myself (laughs) if that makes sense Uh, it, it terrifyingly
0: makes sense I mean I don't know there's such an issue with this mythology of what motherhood is supposed to be And how you're supposed to feel about it. And then you have all the celebrity magazines, which are like, and look, I miraculously am back to a size zero. And I'm loving every moment with my child. It's like, it does not help when you're dealing with um, an incredible change in hormones. If nothing else, just the change in hormones is enough to set you into... A major spin cycle, but... Yeah. Then you hear these people talking about how amazing it is, how perfect it is. It's not to say it's not amazing or lovely, but... I would challenge anyone to say it's perfect. Like (laughs) I I will go to the mat. I very, very rarely will I call anyone out on it. But if you are telling me that the first three months were perfect in a haze of joy, I want to know what you're on. And I'd like some because (laughs) I, um, I even had an, I had one colic baby and one easy baby. And Uh even with the easy baby and tons of help, I was still in a spin cycle. Like it was intense.
1: It's it's a challenge like no other, and no child is the same. Uh, what works for one doesn't work for the other, and so you're constantly, like, pulling things, like, like tricks and failing and succeeding, and <laughs> it just, like, it, it just messes with you. You're like, I just you Cheerios yesterday you like those oh I'm not good enough because I made you an omelet with vegetables but that's not good enough either like you just can't win (laughs) oh my god I'm sorry but buckle in because that's (laughs) I have a teenager
0: and I can't win has been almost like my mantra and it almost becomes relaxing at this point I'm like I can't win anyway so I'll relax yeah so
1: you had um was the bipolar before or after kids um, well, I was recently diagnosed oh, okay. um, when I was diagnosed with py- uh, bipolar. By- Uh, with postpartum, um, I think it was two months postpartum. So that was seven months ago, but, um, you're settling into this diagnosis. Yeah. This is new. It's it's a fresh one, but looking back and talking it over with my therapist, like it's been affecting me since I was like 14 and like talking to her about like what I used to do and like, um, just, like I, um, like one of the main aspects of bipolar is, is mania or hypomania. Um, my therapist and I—we're still not sure which one <laughs> and it is. But like back in high school, I would get maybe two hours of sleep. I'd wake up super early. I'd write papers for school, go to school, go to the gym, go to work, go to after-school programs, and then I'd repeat it, and I, I'd be fine. Like I got straight A's in high school. Um, and then there were periods when like I couldn't stand myself. Like I always thought I was too fat. Like I I thought I wasn't popular enough. It was just like a cycle that, that either way, like I wasn't happy and nothing was good enough. And just having this diagnosis in itself is kind of like a little blessing because I understand what I'm going through a lot more. And it's easier to, to, I guess, fight those negative thoughts in my head and uh, there's a reason for the way I am.
0: <laughs> no, that that is um, one of the things I get the most emails about is people who are looking for a diagnosis because it's so frustrating and scary when you're you're having all these symptoms and there's no name for it, there's no protocol, there's and when you're talking about something, and I'm so I was so grateful when you reached out and you wanted to do the interview because. When you're dealing with mental health issues, there's Mm -hmm. so much mythology around it. There's so little understanding of that this is actually a disorder. This Mm -hmm. is a physical disorder in the brain. This is not necessarily, I mean, you could take a walk and maybe feel better. But that's Mm -hmm. not medicine, and the fact that people are still confused on the difference between, like, needing your medicine and not, Mm -hmm. like, these are are real issues we're dealing with, especially here in this country, as... um, the understanding of mental health seems to be almost evolving lately. And it's so frustrating to watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a mess. And I actually have a bachelor's in psychology. So I I have a decent understanding. And um, in college, one of the main things that was studied was the fact that mental illness is a chemical imbalance in your brain. And there are bunch of studies that just show it they show in mris like the different areas of the brain that are effective uh, between like a healthy brain with someone without a mental illness and then someone with bipolar someone with schizophrenia like there is evidence and it's so important for people to know uh, that it's not make believe you're not crazy it's an actual thing <laughs> yeah and no one would ever
0: tell diabetic like no no you don't need that insulin just go for a walk you'll be better like the walk exactly. might make you feel a little better but you'd still like need to take actual physical care of your your biology like yeah So I'm so grateful you're willing to chat about this. One of the things I'm trying to figure out, and I'll just ask outright, is um, were you on any medication before pregnancy? That was such a big issue for my pregnancies was I was on so many medications that we had to figure out if I could still take them during my pregnancy or not.
1: Mm -hmm. I was. um, In high school... Not high school. In college, I was on several different um, medications for uh, mental illness because, like, I couldn't find the right one that was working for me. Oh, and my eventually, God. <laughs> Like, I must have tried, like, at least, like, a dozen different medications. And in college, my PTSD was acting up really bad, and I'd have panic attacks, like, to the point where I couldn't go to class. So, like, all these different medications and their side effects, uh, I was up, I was down, I was... I couldn't wake up. I couldn't go to sleep. And eventually I found like a a good one. I don't even remember which one worked for me back then. And um, then when my husband and I decided that we wanted to have children, I just cut everything cold turkey. Oh my um, God! How did yeah, that just die? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Just like a quick little note for everyone listening: please don't sue
0: me. Um, this is an opinion, and this is what worked for her. But yes. um, most people would actually say that's incredibly dangerous to just yes. cold turkey um, th- that medicine. H- how did that end up working out for you? And by the way, please don't do this, anyone. Please talk to your doctors before yeah, please, anything. Please don't follow
1: my footsteps. <laughs> that's one of the issues with bipolar: is that you think you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um everything is going well and you don't need the medication anymore. You have things to do. It makes you too sleepy, it makes you too fat, whatever. You it, it, like you don't want it holding you back and then taking that medication every morning or every night whenever you take it. It it's it, it just weighs you down and even today, like I'm taking medication every single day and I hate it. I hate that I have to take it to feel well, like Quotation marks, normal. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's a fight, and I need to remind myself to do it. But anyway, I quit um, in what was it? It was about six years ago uh, for about nine months. And then I had my first baby, and I didn't, and I got pregnant again. And then so nine months after that, so about 18 months, I was off medication completely and it was very, very difficult. Um, I remember just getting married and the night of uh, my husband and I were in bed talking and I threw the wedding ring at him Like, I went from extremely happy, I love you so much, I'm so happy we're married, it was a beautiful ceremony, this is the best thing in the world, to I hate you, you were uh, talking too much to our friend (laughs) at this one point in the ceremony, why did we get married, and if anybody, like, if you know me, you know me and my husband are perfect for one another. Like we, uh, like whatever he can't do, I can do. And we always help one another. So that was totally just like the mania, the ir- irritability, the ups and downs. Like it, it was a challenge. And then we fought a lot more when I was off medication. Um, my parents and I, we, we didn't get along. Um, and they're really old fashioned. They're, um, they both, came to the United States when they were young, so they don't, they didn't really believe in mental health. So oh. uh, yeah, so <laughs> so growing up, they'd always like, uh, I guess, belittle me. Like, I love my parents, we're on good terms now, but growing up, it, it was crazy. Um, me and my mom would fight all the time. It, <laughs> they, I don't even know how to start with that, but Now, being on medication, my life is a lot more stable, and the way, like, me and my therapist like to talk about it is that not every day has to be great, not every day has to be bad, but you should aim for being somewhere in the middle, and that's where the medication should get you. you, It shouldn't fix all your problems, but it definitely shouldn't be making them worse. (laughs) You find that middle ground you phrase that so well because I think that um
0: the what's the right word to say this um the race towards happiness becomes uh almost problematic because you're not necessarily looking for happy all the time you're looking for a reasonable response to to a situation and that can be so difficult definitely so when you were in high school what are um what are some of the things that Teachers or friends or family could have done to help you, or what were some of the things that they did do to help?
1: Um, well, I had a best friend in high school. Uh um, and we were really close. We talk about everything, and having that one person that wouldn't judge me, wouldn't um make fun of me for the things I did, wouldn't call me names for going out with all these different boys and whatever I did, having A stable person in my life that was always there for me was definitely a key a key factor in how I didn't do anything too dangerous (laughs) and she kind of kept me centered um my parents uh like if they had educated themselves more and didn't um make fun of me when I came to them saying like, Oh, I think I should go to therapy or, um, not trying to, to take me when I asked, uh, even though they couldn't afford it to try to find a way. And, um, you know, just, just being there for me that, that would have helped a lot when I was younger. And I think, if I had more support from them back then, it wouldn't have gotten quite as bad as it did. Mm. And I would have gotten a diagnosis sooner, and things would have been a little different. But <laughs> so, Were you dealing with PTSD in high school? Um, it didn't start affecting me until I, I went to college. Um, but I know it, it stems from things that happened to me when I was a child, and an abusive relationship in high school that I just kind of swept all those emotions underneath because I didn't have time to deal with them then, and I didn't have any support to deal with them then, so I was just like, go to college, get away from my small town, (laughs) move out, and just start over somewhere alone where you you won't be near these other crazy people. I uh, PTSD is such a, and I, I won't ask you what
0: that's, uh, well, you just said what it's stemmed from. I'm so sorry. It's been, <laughs> I'm changing up medication, so I'm a little flighty today, so oh, forgive. Oh um, but I, I, I went through severe PTSD through high school and college, and one of the things that I remember was my therapist saying, okay, so we're going to put you on these medications to help you through it. And I said no because I felt like I was, i was looking for a reasonable reaction to to what was going on and i felt like okay i'm super depressed and anxious but that seems reasonable for what just happened yeah but i i don't know maybe like taking the medication would have helped more it's um it's such a weird thing with ptsd to know what what will make it better and what will um especially when you're trying to find the right meds that can get incredibly confusing and stressful and the side effects are no joke
1: no, they're they're not. It, it, <laughs> there's really there's ups and downs. But some of those meds, they they don't even help you a little bit, and you're feeling like crap for two weeks or however long it takes to get an appointment again, and then change your medication, wait for it to affect it. It's just it's very challenging, which is why I understand a lot why a lot of people don't want to get on medication yeah even, like try it once I, I don't blame them but
0: it's <laughs> very like Katniss Everdeen like may the odds ever be in your favor
1: every yeah, time you exactly. pick up a new bottle like I uh it's, so perfect
0: Thanks I mean me. I'm so in the middle of like a high school situation with my son being in high school mm-hmm. and his friends are I adore his friends they are fantastic but I see them going through a lot of issues and I just, I keep wanting to talk to people and get more people to discuss this for high school teachers to start listening. And instead of just assuming a kid's lazy or, or a trouble or a problem, it's like there just needs to be this baseline level of okay, so you're a human being, you seem to not be okay. So instead of assuming the worst, let's try to like find out what's going on like a ptsd student is not going to turn in homework necessarily or they'll
1: overachieve and yeah yeah and like i remember learning about like the basics of mental health in health class which was just one semester and you oh learn, that's like, all you need right six weeks yeah, all good <laughs> you, you, you learn like a little tiny definition of each thing and then that's it like they don't talk about it again um it's not a common thing and it is it's stigmatized if you say hey i have bipolar people are like oh you're the crazy lady um there was a teacher in my school who one day she'd be like really happy and the next day she'd do five pop quizzes and then people would be like oh she's so bipolar she's so this she's so that and i remember her getting really mad uh at the whole entire class and telling us bipolar is a serious condition and you shouldn't go around just using that term to insult people. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like an eye opener for me. Thankfully, uh, I think old me for not being one of those people who did that, but it, it was a lesson for me anyway. So I, I never Labeled anybody bipolar or oh you're just uh, schizophrenic you ha- you hear voices so you're crazy whatever uh, <laughs> and it actually like piqued my interest in psychology and because I knew I had all these issues I wanted to study it in college <laughs> so that's what I did
0: <laughs> and how did
1: you work all this through with
0: college that's I, I that gets pretty intense. Now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and especially um, with bipolar, where there's not the structure of high school anymore.
1: Um, I ended up having to get, um, like, a disability assistant in college from the um, uh, the disability office on my campus. Uh, I went to SUNY Fredonia, and they were great. Um, I worked with my shrink at the time, and they... Put the paperwork through saying that I needed certain accommodations um, Which ranged from uh, Taking a test in Like a, a room by myself um, Getting extended time on tests Because I would randomly Have panic attacks and I couldn't control it um, Being able to to miss Classes if they had like an attendance Policy um, it allowed Me to um, do that without Getting any repercussions And because of all my Mental health issues and um, my migraines uh, like I I miss class a lot and uh, (laughs) so it was hard um, before I did that because I would be penalized my grade would be affected by not when I wouldn't go to school when I couldn't get up in the morning when I couldn't wake up to my alarms And (laughs) so that that just really helped having uh, understanding, like, school system that supported you and enabled you to discuss with the teachers and give them as much information as you wanted to without, like, that pressure and judgment.
0: That's amazing. So. I just, I wish more people would ask for help sooner. It seems like, I know it's so hard to do, and it's, um, like, I fought against my wheelchair forever. I fought against my cane forever, and if I just used that stuff, or even gotten my placard for handicap parking sooner, I could have avoided more injuries. (laughs) But it's so, it's wonderful that you thought to do that when you started college. That really must have helped with your grades and (laughs) staying
1: in school. Yeah, it definitely helped. Uh, When I started it Which was junior year So for the first two years I didn't have any of that And um, uh, I ended up failing one class Um, I got a couple of like C's Barely passing other classes (laughs) And um it, it was clearly obvious that uh, that I was struggling and at the beginning when I first went to college like I didn't have any friends I was really isolated because I moved in the middle of nowhere this <laughs> I, seems like
0: a pattern
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I keep doing that <laughs> um, I moved six and a half hours away from home so um, making friends was a big issue because I was too nervous to talk to anybody um, and then we ended up doing this thing in my dorm called speed friending. And I took the chance by going there. And then I made, like, a little group of friends. And, and that kind of influenced me to to go to classes a lot more and go out to eat with them. And um, having social support in any type of way is a big factor in how well you're doing <laughs> mentally. It's Especially with anxiety,
0: it becomes so hard to... Well, not all the time, but whenever there's an attack or a start of attack, just to even do the basics, like mm-hmm. even to try to get a social group of
1: people around that you'll need later, it's um, it's anxiety provoking. Yeah, and I I've always had like a cycle with friends where we get along great, we do a lot of things together, but then um, the depression would hit, and I wouldn't talk to anybody for weeks and whatever, and a lot of people who I was friends with would um end up like being mad at me they wouldn't talk to me and it would be this big deal for them like I was personally insulting them when I was too busy or I, I just couldn't do it and a lot of people don't understand that it's it's not like I'm doing this for kicks uh, like if I if I could be happy every day going out for drinks with my friends and going to parties like like I wouldn't don't you think I'd rather do that? <laughs> but it's, it wasn't talked about. like it, Me saying, like, oh, um, I don't feel good today, um, so I can't go to that party. Well, uh, you'd be teased. You'd be made fun of. And it, that was a hard issue growing up and being a teenager. <laughs> yeah, nothing tests friendships
0: like chronic illness. It's, um, <laughs> it will definitely weed people out pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So what were you doing for your migraines? How have you been handling those?
1: those... Um, f- when I first started getting them, I was put on Topamax and, um, oh, really? I- oh my God. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's a seizure drug with a side effect that could can help migraines. And <laughs> I lasted, uh, three weeks on that one. <laughs> wow. I was on it for years. I was on it for, I think, three years Uh, I started off, like, at the lowest dose, and then I was up to, I think, over 100 milligrams a day. Um, And then uh, when I have a migraine, like, onset, I take sumatriptan, and I started off on, like, 50 milligrams of that, but it always made me feel horrible. And so, like, between the 20 minutes to an hour, I would be at, like, an excruciating level of pain and also have the horrible side effects of the Sumatriptin. Like it makes my jaw feel like it's it's like numb and burning at the same time. Uh, massive brain fog. Uh, I, I'd be so ditzy. I couldn't follow a conversation. I'd have to ask friends to repeat themselves a million times and then you really master the art of like nodding and smiling. Oh yeah, oh that was that was a good time. That was yeah, uh-huh <laughs> (laughs) And just trying to read people's facial cues, um, because uh, the pain from migraines is just so debilitating and people don't get it. They're like, oh yeah, I had a headache. Um, mm, uh, it's not a headache. (laughs) Like if you've never had a migraine, you do not get it. And, um. Like my mom and my dad didn't believe like I was in massive amount of pain for years. So I was always told like, "Oh, you're just uh, imagining it. It's just in your head. You don't need medication. You don't need this." And um it just it's a hard thing to deal with without any support. And um years and years of being in pain, I eventually saw a neurologist and um I'm on a different medication because i am breastfeeding and i was pregnant and when i was pregnant i couldn't take any medication for it otherwise it would have uh, hurt the fetus so thankfully um i am on some medication i'm on um propanolol, which is uh, a blood pressure medication, which can help migraines. So that kind of helps ish. And then I can take sumatriptan on onset of migraines. And, um, a weird thing that I did to help with them is I got my daith pierce on both ears. I've seen that before. Does that really work? Um, it definitely helped in the beginning. Um, I think my stress level is a little too high right now to for it to be too effective. But I went from having migraines every single day um, when I was postpartum in the beginning to maybe once every two weeks um, for a while. Uh, so I think it helped a little bit. And, you know, any help you can get, why not? Right. <laughs> why not <Yeah>. try? <laughs>
0: Wow. And
1: so if anyone is listening to us
0: with a... a- y chromosome does not know why she was not able to take these pills. Um, most of the medication is not tested on pregnancy, so there's not even an understanding of what most of this would do to a fetus. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, uh, not like that, but most of the medication is never tested on women which I find frustrating because uh, we are dosed the same way men are dosed. They assume that we're gonna have the same side effects as men's because the only very few drugs are actually tested on women. Almost all of them are tested on men exclusively. So it's, um mm-hmm. becomes very confusing when you're trying to figure out how to, how to medicate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, when I first became pregnant, I was working full-time nights and I was going to grad school. Um, and I ended up having to drop out of grad school and quitting my job because the amount of pain I was in for my migraines and, uh, just like having so much anxiety, I couldn't work. Um, I was tired all the time. Um, I didn't want to get up half the time <laughs> and it was just really challenging not having any added help, except for Tylenol, extra strength once in a while. <laughs> like, literally, that's, like, one of the only safe drugs while you're pregnant. It's Tylenol. Um, you can take Benadryl to help you sleep, which doesn't help me. And <laughs> you're just really limited, and having a child is, uh, like, if people make it seem... Like it's rainbows and butterflies in movies, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. and it's not, especially for people with uh, mental health issues or chronic pain or any type of illness that isn't cured <laughs> in twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are?
0: I, I just want to see if we could. Um come through an actual description for anyone who thinks they understand what anxiety is without having it like, oh, I've had deadlines and been stressed at grad school and, and law school and I, I know what anxiety is. Do you want to explain what, uh, what clinical anxiety is?
1: Okay. Um... An anxiety disorder is something that lasts more than the occasional, <laughs> like, oh, I was nervous about a test, oh, um, I have to take my car to the DMV and I'm worried about money, something like that. It's it's this thought process in your mind where you cannot slow it down. It, it, for me, it's like... Um, Endless thoughts that just keep popping in my head no matter what I do, saying, like, oh, no, like, if I do this, like, my kid's going to die. Oh, no, if I if I don't stop at this red light in time, um, like, I'm going to crash. Like, if I don't answer my phone call, uh, if it's my husband, he's going to hate me and end up divorcing me. It really just escalates really quickly for me. And um, you have this feeling of impending doom. And some people experience panic attacks with anxiety disorder, not everybody. And panic attacks are different for everybody. Um, They can be the stereotypical things that you see in TV shows where people are crying and screaming and um, biting their nails or whatever. Or it can just be dazing off into the sun or uh, sleeping a lot. it, it just varies from person to person, and that's what makes mental health so hard to diagnose because the symptoms for anxiety disorder are similar to the symptoms to depression, and it, that's what's so tricky about getting the proper diagnosis so you can go on the proper medication.
0: Now, for what you have, I'm curious if you have the same issue I, I get is um, people are always suggesting how I, will, I can cure myself through diet or um trying a new tea or have I thought about yoga and meditation um uh, do, do you get to deal with this joy yes I do that, that um, well-meaning and I do understand it's well-meaning but oh my god yeah, <laughs> I need oh. to wear a t-shirt with like everything I've tried on it and um just look see if there's anything on there that you would like to suggest and
1: um <laughs> or like a business card with, oh like, my like things yes. I try to just hand them out to people um, but yeah yeah I totally have um, people they like to say like oh my friend had migraines too um, ice packs worked for them oh they got acupuncture for like two times and they're cured um, oh my favorite the chiropractor the chiropractor can fix so many things you should go don't take pills. They're just going to make you worse. Um, Like you said, go, go do yoga. You must be anxious. It's all in your head, whatever. Um, Light a candle, take deep breaths. (laughs) It's crazy what people suggest. And then they don't want to hear it. If you say like, oh, that doesn't work for me. Um, I'm actually on this medication. And that helps a little bit. Um, Because it's, it's kind of like that like, hi, how are you? People don't really want to know how you are. They just want to hear, like, I'm good. Uh, uh, how are you? Oh, I'm good, too. Okay, bye.
0: <laughs> like,
1: I, I want to suggest this so I feel like the better person that knows everything, and then if you tell me that doesn't work for you, oh, now I, I'm mad at you because it's somehow insulting to them. <laughs> That's been one of the biggest strains I've had on friendships is, like,
0: if I don't try this or if I say I've tried it and honestly life isn't worth it for me without gluten I need my sourdough <laughs> like, I need wine these are things I need to be a happy person I, anyone who wants to write to me yes I did try the no wine no sugar no fun no caffeine no gluten I freaking tried it I did it for like a long time long enough that my husband was ready to lose his mind with me um it, it didn't work for me but like I have definitely had problems with friends where it was like but if you just and then when you start like falling down or showing symptoms well if you had done what I said yeah yeah it's (laughs) it's frustrating and hard and um Also, the friend of a friend stories are, are highly amusing to me. Like, Oh, wow. So you have a friend who has this exact disorder, but they're fine and can work. Yeah, well, that's yeah. great for them. <laughs>
1: like, oh, my favorite thing about migraines is a lot of people tend to say like, oh, well, my grandma used to have migraines and now she doesn't. Uh, okay, and I know why, because it's often, it's common for women, women get migraines more than men, and then once they hit menopause, like, their hormones change, and that's what often helps with the migraines, and it's like, I can't just be like, okay, I'm gonna go through menopause today at 25, Uh, uh, that wasn't helpful at all, that one day in about 20, 30 years, it's going to get better, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I'm staring down that, that barrel very excited
0: going, really this is gonna stop soon? Yes, <laughs> yes, soon. Hey, I am forty one. Let's get this going now. I've I've had my two. I factories closed. We're done here. Yeah. Like can we not do the rest of this? Mm-hmm. And I just stepped on the cord again. I'm doing great today. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious how you handle this question because i i do ask quite a few people about it because i'm trying to get ideas honestly is what this comes down to how do you respond how are you doing like that's like the question that gives me the most
1: anxiety when someone asks me nine times out of ten i'm i do the the oh yeah i'm good how are you or oh or my favorite lately is oh i'm just tired <laughs> like because tired kind of just like it 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 leads. It can lead to a discussion like, "Oh, why you're tired?" And then I usually say, "Do you really want to know?" <laughs> At least you give them the option. <laughs> yeah, because I get tired of hearing like, "Oh, that sucks," or the "Try this, try that," because like you can't win with that conversation unless you're talking to another spoonie. You know, like, nobody else is going to get what you're going through like someone else with a chronic illness. That's one of
0: my, like, I love my husband's like saint, like halo on bonafide saint. Amazing. But he doesn't, he's never had chronic pain. Uh He tries to understand. He really does. And he's so helpful. But there is a relaxedness to talking to another person with chronic pain, chronic illness that there's just so much that's already like understood. Like Uh you don't have to explain a whole bunch on like what it's like to wake up every morning going,
1: Am I gonna get out of bed today? Is that gonna work out? Like, mm-hmm. and just having that that group of people who you know, like you said, don't you don't have to explain to it. It kind of just makes you feel a little less guilty. You're, you're like, I'm not the only one. Like Susie, she can't get out of bed when she's in pain either, or she just gave her kids microwave uh, chicken nuggets for dinner too because she was really tired and her pain was a ten. And yours was like that today, so give yourself a break. You know,
0: just, like, having those those groups online are tremendously helpful to me. Like, I am so grateful for my EDS fairy group. I, like, thank you so much because half of my questions are, am I dying or is this EDS? Like, <laughs> Or I'm yeah, losing my mind. Anyone else? Anyone else want to talk about this right now? Because I are, like, just the deep, dark spin at 3 in the morning when you're up for, like, the 5th morning at 3 a.m going huh I body by Picasso (laughs) (laughs) like anyone else awake at three in the morning who wants to talk through the deep dark that'd be great
1: yeah I definitely found like a great anchor in online groups like um in college I really liked Tumblr uh I was like I used to post a lot about like um anxiety PTSD uh, like anything and like how I felt how horrible I felt and there's literally hundreds and hundreds of people that are going through the same thing and you can follow other people and see how they feel and um, these days I like Facebook a lot better Facebook groups and uh, like I'm in a migraine support group and bipolar support group there's a support group for anything literally just Google it and you'll find one (laughs) I I can not thank enough for
0: like having because I do get some anxiety and just like I don't want to talk on the phone I don't hardly ever and (laughs) the ability to type and to decide I'm done with this conversation for five seconds I I can go back to it by the way any parents with teenagers text when you're pissed if you're angry (laughs) text with them don't necessarily like until you're over the rage like texting is good it's a great way to have a conversation (laughs) You, I, I will keep that tip in my arsenal for when my kids get old. <laughs> yeah, yours are still a little tiny for texting, but um, <laughs> I, I cannot like my. When I was a horrible, I was an evil teenager and, and my mom I bow down and apologize daily to by the way <laughs> but when we would be fighting and screaming at each other at 16 she started just writing me letters and leaving them under my door and then I would respond and leave them under her door and that's how we got through some of the worst arguments so it's just this was before texting I'm old this was like Almost pre-internet this is like when we had the AOL dial-up so we were mm-hmm. we were analog back then but that's it's not a bad way to handle it when you're having having problems
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's a great way because it gives you that chance to like think things through and when you write them down you can be and then when you read it over, You're like, oh, probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) I mean, I get such word fog,
0: like even just like talking and talking on the phone just stresses me out because I can, I have a hard time following the conversation anyway, but then like to find the right words at that moment, it's like, it's just so much easier to text or email. I like it so much better.
1: Like when, uh, when I scheduled this with you, I'm like, oh crap i have to talk to someone for an hour like about like all these things like i'm going to screw it up i'm not going to know what to say and like literally like it's been going through my head and i have to just like fight it um like it, it, they're called like negative cognitions is when you just keep saying negative thoughts about yourself or what's going to happen and I, I, um one thing that really works for me is um rephrasing that line of thinking and I'll I, I keep a notebook where I write the things that are worrying me down and uh, I like to write what I'm feeling and then say, why am I feeling that? and then the actual facts of like like I'm gonna suck on this phone call and then, um, write down like why I'm not the things that I'm going to talk about and uh, it just really helps center me and uh, <laughs> and work through the anxiety for situations like this. You just helped so many people with that by the way like I promise
0: you I'm going to get emails about this because that's such an incredible tool like Thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much for being so patient. Like, you poor thing. I had to, like, reschedule this, like, two or three times. And I'm like, I swear, I don't ever see anyone, ever. (laughs) Like, no one comes by. My co-host has to come by to be, like, make sure I'm still socialized and, like, able to carry a conversation. And then, like, every time we scheduled something, it was like, oh, family
1: thing, family thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah! You were so kind about the reschedule. I totally get it like uh, with kids and life and then being a spoonie like you never know like <laughs> Well again, you know, that's also a
0: huge issue that all of us Spoonies are dealing with like I have all these wedding invitations from people I love for this summer and and like I feel so guilty. I'm always like, look, if you need to take me off the list, it's fine, but I can't yes. tell you that I'm going to be there until I actually walk through the door. And even then, I might leave 10 minutes later. Like, It's so hard to make any real plans with anyone, especially anyone who doesn't get the chronicness.
1: Yep. Like, the and people who still tell you, like- I
0: hope you feel better. Like, those mm-hmm. people. Explaining it to the sweet, nice people who tell you, oh, I hope you'll get better soon. It's hard.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, like, um, I think it was like a year ago, my um, cousin ha- was having his bir- uh, a birthday party for his two year old. And my other cousin was only gonna go if I went and I said, Yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Um, no problem. Like, I-, I have that day free. Let's go. That day came around. I had a migraine that was so bad. I had to go to the hospital. And then uh, I told her, like, I told her, like, oh, sorry, I can't go, like, I'm in a lot of pain. And she does not experience chronic pain at all. So she was pissed at me. And I felt so bad, but I was also really mad with her. uh, Because someone who loves you should try to understand and not make you feel bad for being in pain. Because like I said before, We don't want this. It's not a day off. It's not like I stood home and got a mani (laughs) petty just so I wouldn't have to go to the party. Like, I was in the hospital getting stronger drugs so I wouldn't kill myself because the pain was so bad. So do you want to explain? Because there's just so many.
0: I've had a few really great interviews with people with migraines. I keep asking this because I want people to understand this is not a headache. Do you want to describe (laughs) or can you describe what a migraine feels like? A migraine that sends you to the hospital.
1: Okay, um, well, for me, it has to be one that's at least a week long. (laughs) Okay, so explain to people who think that there are headaches that stop after an hour. (laughs) Yeah, um, it, for my my migraines, they start, um, like, my head just feels kind of funny, like, when you haven't gotten enough sleep, and then I can kind of tell, like, oh, crap, it's coming (laughs) and um I try to avoid all my triggers like um like wine coffee uh too much light um I'll put on like my hat so like (laughs) the sun's not in my eyes um and then if it gets like past like a level four which for like I guess a non-spoonie would be uh, like a level seven pain (laughs) compared to mine um I then take my uh, my onset my, uh, migraine medication, which, like I explained before, is, <laughs> is a pain in the butt, too, but it will take it away for a short amount of time, but then it will come back. And the problem with migraines is if you take any type of medication too much, then you get rebound headaches on top of it. So, it, like, you'll be feel okay for a couple hours, or if you're lucky, maybe a day or two, and then it hits you back, down again like like uh like a boxer like ronda rousey is coming to your face and just wailing on you and um you can't think straight uh you can't follow conversations any type of light feels like you're being stabbed in the eye with an ice pick um uh like you can't sleep because you're in too much pain Uh, you try everything and then you just feel hopeless useless and And, like, the pain is so encompassing that everything is pretty much a blur for me. Uh, I I just try to, like, go through the motions because I am a mom. I can't slay in bed all day. Otherwise, my kids are going to be helpless. Um, They can't take care of themselves. They're two and nine months old. They, They can't feed themselves. So, like... I have to pull all of my strengths together to take care of them. And then when it gets to that point where I'm like, I can't go on anymore. I am about to rip my eyeballs out with spoons just to get some type of relief. um, I have to go to the hospital. And by that point, usually it's been like a level nine for at least a day or two. And I'm about to hit level 10, um, which childbirth let's say childbirth is easier than a level 10 migraine. So a watermelon coming out of your body is easier than my level 10 migraine. So I'll go to the hospital, get meds, which will take the edge off like, I had to go recently to the hospital for a migraine, and I went from a level 10. Like, I couldn't even, like, my body would cry and, like, um, shake. I'd feel ice cold because I was in so much pain, my body didn't know what to do. It's, like, it is trying not to shut down. And so um, they, the meds would bring me down from a 10 to a 4. So um, then eventually it will go away hopefully. (laughs) So how do
0: you deal with ER doctors when you're walking in with a migraine? I'm just asking this because, like, I go in with, like, mass dislocations with, like, an arm over here, like, towards my chest, and I still get treated like, oh, that doesn't seem that bad, young lady. Like, (laughs) why don't you just take an aspirin and go home? Like, how, how how does it work
1: when it's totally invisible? Like, Um, when I was younger, it was a lot harder. Um, I got a lot of doctors not believing that I was in pain. Um, a lot of doctors would think that you're seeking drugs and that you're a drug addict. You just want to get high and whatever. Um, and thankfully when uh i would go to the hospital i, I usually had my mom there with me and she knew i had migraines finally after a while when she accepted it so she would advocate for me and then when i was older and on my own um i didn't have too much trouble with uh migraines and going to the er um thankfully but i know a lot of people do and i, I did get a couple of questions now and then, like, oh, like, what drugs do you take? What, like, oh, um, we can only give you this. And I'm like, um, okay, like, I'm not looking for, like, hard narcotics. Like, I just want you to, to, to make it so I, I can live <laughs> another second without <laughs> feeling like I'm dying. And you just get that kind of, like, brush-off attitude. And you know you can't act out or like give them any type of sass otherwise they're gonna label you drug addict not help you and you're just stuck so I'd have to bite my tongue a lot and that was one of the hardest things for me to do because I hate like trying to like suck up and like seem like uh like oh yeah you're the doctor you're so smart yeah of course it's not that bad uh (laughs) I'm so thankful for any help that you give me (laughs) type of situation and you just kind of gotta bite your tongue sometimes when you're in that much pain because you don't have the spoons to to fight
0: (laughs) that is a real thing not having the spoons to fight i I preach that one for the back seat like (laughs) that that's a good one Um, you're not gonna believe this but we're almost at an hour (laughs) wow (laughs) so what i wanted to know from you before we go is is there anything that you can think of either that has really helped or something that someone's done that's been significantly wonderful. Any advice you can give for people out there who have friends or family with PTSD, anxiety, migraines, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or um, or uh, bipolar? Is there anything you can...
1: Um. One of the pieces of advice I would say is don't give up on medication. Um, Keep trying. Uh, You may need to take some breaks between trying different meds just to give yourself that that right mindset. But if you have um, a mental illness like bipolar uh, uh, and really severe PTSD and postpartum, it's okay to need that medication, and it will help you once you find that right Right one. Just think of it kind of like speed dating. (laughs) Just like you're going to get some awful ones. You're going to get some ones that you think are right in the beginning and then they turn out awful and then eventually you'll find the one and you want to marry that one. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've never heard described that way, but that was perfect. (laughs) And like. Remember that divorces happen though. The medication is not going to last forever and be perfect for you. So you're going to have to try again. <laughs> it's not a monogamous <laughs> relationship. And don't feel bad if it stops working. There's nothing like, it, it's not because you're a worthless person. It's not because you're broken. It's because there's a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's a real thing. You, like you said, you wouldn't tell a diet. Uh, diabetic, not to take their insulin. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And having a social network that supports you is super important. And if you have too much anxiety where you can't talk to someone face-to-face, join the online networks. Like we said, like text somebody uh, once in a while. Call a helpline if you need it. And like don't be ashamed. I know it's easier said than done. And uh, if you can't even make yourself do that, write it down. Take a journal, write it down, and it will just give you that moment to center yourself. And I'm also going to link in the show notes, there is a service for people
0: with anxiety um, that is text-based for a helpline. It's not a a phone call. It's actually that you get to, instead of calling the helpline, you text (laughs) the helpline and you do the whole thing through text. So I'm going to link that in. You are a rock star. I am so impressed with you. Like all of this that you are dealing with and you're dealing with it with a baby and a toddler. I mean, you are amazing. (laughs) And thank you so much for talking to me today. This is wonderful. Uh
1: uh, thank you. I had a lot of fun and well. <laughs> it was nice talking to someone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> an adult. <laughs> an actual yeah. adult conversation. We tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening this week to Invisible Not Broken. And if you want to just head on over to our website, www.invisiblenotbroken.com, there is a wealth of knowledge and links about this episode and different things that might help out. So please head on over there. Again, a plea for sharing. Please share us with any support groups that you might be a part of or with any people that you would like To understand invisible illness or disorders or any of the things we talked about today, um, please share us and have a great week. And until next week, be kind, be very gentle and gentle with yourself and be a fucking badass.